This is the EWN Podcast Network. How many times have you said or heard someone say, I've always wanted to write a book? My guest on this episode of Sharing Stories with Helen Rose is a man I have known for, oh, 30 years. Um, I actually was his assistant uh, when we both worked at Brewster, when he was the vice president of sales. And I actually used to look after his daughter. Uh, So we have a long, 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 long friendship. Terry Gaynor decided at age 74 to write a book. So if you think you're too old or you haven't written your book yet, take a listen to this episode. I think you'll be really inspired. Enjoy. Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. This is really exciting for me because I have such a history with not only you, but with the Banff train station. And those of us who are lucky to live in the mountains of Canada, where everybody comes to visit, this is a really important piece of history. So uh, let's get started. What made you want to write this book? Well, you know, the station uh, in Banff has always been an emotional place for me because it really was my first home uh, that I can remember. I was six years old when we moved to Banff, and we lived there for seven years. And then I worked there for seven years beyond that in the summer at various jobs. So in 2014, I believe it was, I was visiting in Banff, and I'd heard that the station was undergoing a renovation, and I was curious to see what they were doing. So I went down there, and I happened to run into an old pal of mine that was a carpenter on the job, and he introduced me to the foreman who walked me around the entire property, including the upstairs that had been our residence. They were doing a nice job of the renovations. Um, um, at that point, the the, liv- the waiting room was was completed, and it was very, very nice. They did a wonderful job. And they had some really nice pictures on the wall. They had retained the original fireplace in the waiting room. And I was quite impressed. But when I left there, I had a sort of a hollow feeling. It, it, it felt to me that there was something incomplete about it. And, and, and talking to my daughter later, I, I mentioned that what was missing was that there was no awareness of the history of that station, which really was... Uh, well, frankly, it was the it was the hub of the community. Everything that happened in Banff either came into or left through that station. I mean, from food, people, perishables, merchandise. It was the FedEx and the UPS of the day, and and there was just no story there. So I said to Chantel, "Somebody should write something about that." And her response was typical. My daughter, she said, "Dad, you're the one who lived there. Why don't you write it?" And that's how it began. Right. And so that move was in 1948 when you were seven years old? Six. Six years old. So then, okay, so then you go home and you're like, Chantel's like, yep, Dad, you need to write this. So where did you start? Because you literally were starting at a blank page. Yeah, that was an interesting struggle because I knew absolutely nothing about writing a book. It had always sort of been in the back of my mind that it would be a nice thing to do someday. But then I I sat down and thought, you know, 
I reread I reread a, a, a short number of paragraphs that I'd written for the Back to Banff days or the the, the history of Banff that was published uh, back in the 1990s of about my move to Banff, and that sort of got me started because it it, it started with my family moving to Banff and living in that train station. So what really ended up being a trilogy of the train station, about the trains and the people who came to Banff, and of course my life is woven into it because um, I was writing a historical memoir uh, about trains that came to Banff. And so how much research did you have, did it take in order, I'm, I'm sure you had it, most of it in memory, but how much research did you have to do in order to get it to where, what it looks like today? You know, uh, when, I, when I first realized that I had to, uh, as much as I, I could remember about all my days at the station and my growing up at the station and the working at the station, I knew that it had to be uh, collaborated with, with, with actual dates, facts, history. And, and initially I thought that was going to be the, the drudgery of writing a book was the research, but I knew it had to be done. And much to my absolute delight, when I got doing it, I found out that I almost went off the deep end in research. Uh, there were times when I probably uh, spent more time on research on things that wouldn't be in the book, but it was interesting because it was the history of Banff. It was the history of tourism in Canada. And, and uh, it, probably my research, if I were to put it into months, I would say 12 or 14 months, but maybe some of that wasn't necessary because I got so carried away. For instance, I read every edition of the Crag and Canyon from 1948 to 1962, thanks to the White Museum archives, and um, didn't need all that information, but I couldn't quit. Was there anything in there that really surprised you? You were like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Um, probably reinforced. Uh, I don't know about surprises so much, but for instance, in 1960, the Banff Advisory Council, which in those days was simply an advisory council, was talking about Banff's most, most pressing problem, which, guess what, was parking. And that was in 1960. Wow. And in, and in 2019, they have the same issue, which I understand that the train station is actually going to alleviate a lot of those problems with its new renovation. Absolutely. The... Uh the project at the east end of the station where the garden tracks used to be, um, that's all going to be new parking lot. And as I understand it, it'll be available about the first part of July of 2019. And that's that's a huge addition to our parking problem. In ba or I mean, a, a huge part of the solution to our parking problem because yeah. they're talking five to 600 stalls or something like wow, that. Wow, that's incredible. And I, I don't know what the numbers are. I remember when we used to work at Brewster together, it was millions of tourists came to Banff in, in whatever shape, form, through by train, by car, by bus. I can't imagine it's much lower. It's got to be in the millions, the, the annual number of visits through Banff National Park. I read something, um, I believe it was last year, where... The traffic through Banff National Park was in excess of 6 million people, and, and not all of that perhaps stays in the park because it is a Trans-Canada Highway, right. but a huge percentage of it does, even if it's just for a, a half day or a part of a day stopover. Right. So 
Uh, back to the writing, you spend uh, a great deal of your year in New Zealand, I understand. I spend uh, a good chunk of the winters in New Zealand and have done since 2006, with the exception of the year of the uh, Vancouver Olympics, Vancouver Whistler Olympics. Right. So yes, uh, three to four months a year is mm-hmm. where I spend part of my winter. So as a, as a new writer, um, what... How? What was the hardest thing about now? So you've done your research, you've gone almost a year of researching and learning even more and just reading because you have an interest. How much of your time was uh, required to actually write the book? And what would be, if we were going to say something to the listener, what would be the biggest challenge in the beginning for you in order to get this onto paper? It was interesting because I was researching and writing sometimes simultaneously. Uh, and also, I should point out that sometimes the research had me go back and start over on a few instances because, um, you know, the research perhaps added more depth to what I was trying to talk about. But I think one of the most difficult things for me was to try to work to an outline because, number one, I didn't know how to make an outline. So... Every step of the way initially was difficult because it was something I had never done before. And I did, uh, my, my daughter bought me a small magazine about how to write, and there were some good tips in there, but really it was it was trial and error more than anything else. Yeah, and I mean, how would you know that that is a, 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 an outline, that that is the, is that the easiest way? I don't know, as a writer, I don't use an outline um, strictly, but yeah, when you're beginning, you just want to get it all out and you kind of tend to want to tell it in chronological order and it doesn't necessarily happen that way. It doesn't necessarily happen that way. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I found myself Regarding the outline, I think I was cheating a bit because I would go back and redo the outline as the story progressed. (laughs) Well, sure. And that's what you have to do, right? Absolutely. So uh, we're going to just take a quick break. I'm uh, sitting with Terry Gaynor, who's written this lovely book, uh, When Trains Ruled the Rockies. And uh, we'll be back to chat some more. You're listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Hi, we're back with Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. I'm sitting with Terry Gaynor, who's written the book, When the Trains Ruled the Rockies. 
Um, and we're just talking about Terry's uh, first foray into the writing world and the the processes that he had to do in order to produce this book, which I was lucky enough to read a advanced copy. And it was absolutely beautiful. I'm, I've ordered my advanced copy from Amazon. I can't wait for to have Terry autograph it. Anyway, so we're talking about the writing. Terry, how much discipline or how did you learn to discipline yourself in order to write this piece? Well, I, I, I think I'd been talking with, some, with a friend of mine who had done some writing. And um, her advice to me was, you know, you've got to have discipline. You've got to have at least some sort of a routine. And she said, for instance... Every day, you've got to try to write a couple of hours. Even if it's not that productive, you have to get into the routine and, and you know, uh, pick a time during the day, 6 to 8 in the morning or whatever suits you. And, and, but you've got, to, you've got to try to write something. You've got to get it down on paper because you have to discipline yourself to doing that on a daily basis because otherwise... You may just give it up for a day, which becomes two days, which becomes a month. Yeah. And so did you did you get into that routine easily? And were you some days really struggling to write for two hours? Or were you some days, it was like, oh my God, two hours is up already? There were days when I struggled, yeah, because there were days when I just flat didn't want to do anything, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I did, I, you know, I... I I'm glad I had that discipline. I'm not sure where it came from because I might not have always been that disciplined. But um, there were days also when when it wasn't a struggle. And in fact, there were a couple of times that I can recall where suddenly it was 7 o'clock at night and I'd been sitting there for 12 hours. And it wasn't a continual flow for 12 hours. It might have been uh, a little bit of editing or or, or starting a new uh, new thought pattern or whatever, but when it got going, it got going, and it wasn't like that every day. Right. But I had lots of days like that. Right. Wow. And so, did you feel a lot of pressure to do? Did you put a lot of pressure on yourself, or did you just finally get into that routine where it was like, "Yep, this is what I do." When did you write? Six to eight a.m. Well, mostly? that's when I started, and it was in the morning, mm-hmm. especially when I was in New Zealand, because you know, it's summertime. I would wake up early. And I thought that the best time to do it was to get the coffee pot up when I coffee pot on when I woke up, and start writing. And that was usually around six in the morning, and that became that became part of my day. And about eight or eight thirty, uh, on most days, I would go out and take a walk around. And other days, I went right past eight o'clock because I was so into it that I just kept going. Wow, how long was that process? The writing part was it another year, another two years, or? It was at least two years, yes, <clears throat> and that probably doesn't quite include the editing. Mm-hmm. And then, so now we come to the end. You've had it edited; it's done. What was the next step for you? And the next step after that was to write out a um, um, a proposal to publish for the publisher, and I chose Rocky Mountain Books because I felt my book fit into their sort of publishing genre, which includes a lot of stories about the Canadian Rockies, guide and hiking books, etc. Well, the art of writing a proposal is quite difficult too, isn't it? Well, it, 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 took, it took me about a week to write up the full proposal. And fortunately, the publishers, all of them, they have guidelines, but they're pretty stringent. And I suspect a lot of that is to 
maybe weed out some of the ones that think they might like to, but if they can't get through the proposal process, mm. then maybe they're not that interested in having a book. I mean, that's just my my own estimation because right. it was onerous. There's no, for, at least for me, it was onerous. Well, and and uh, to be able to write the proposal, like I said, that that's an art unto itself. And so, really, what becomes the easiest part about writing a book is writing it. It's, you would think that, you know, through all the discipline of two hours a day and doing all the research and getting your outline done, when really the most difficult part of that journey hasn't even started yet. And I think that's very true. I think that probably uh, might be some discouragement to a lot of writers who arrive at the end of what they think is the end, only to find out that as far as the publishers are concerned, it's only the beginning. Yeah, and, and the thing that we have a huge writing community in Canmore, beautiful artists here that uh, write beautiful stories. And the thing we always caution new writers is, yeah, there's going to be a big spike in sales because your family and friends are going to, you're out doing some launches, and then it might just drop off for a while and might just become more steady. Or if you don't keep at it, it's just going to get it's going to get left in the dust, kind of. So that's also the learning curve uh, when you're writing. And does that part worry you at all? Uh, not really, no, because this well, number one, this was never intended to be a commercial venture. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a, it was a work of passion, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that a, a, a real publisher picked me up, and they're going to do the distribution for me and everything else, and assist me with the launches. But I think the biggest victory for me was being accepted for publication. And and, and what happens after that, um, I mean, I'll do my best to sell the book because who wouldn't want to sell their book? But Absolutely. on the other hand, uh, you know, um, what happens happens, and I will continue to uh, try to push the sale of the book any way I can, and as long as it's uh, relative. Mm -hmm. But... Um, to me, the 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 best, the toughest part of the mountain's been climbed. Right, right. So you're listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Terry Gaynor, author of the book When Trains Ruled the Rockies. And we're going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. You are back listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Terry Gaynor. So now the book has been written. The book has been published. What does that, that must be a huge sense of accomplishment. Well, indeed it was because I, I never really entertained the idea that there was going to be somebody out there that, I mean, a, a publisher out there that might want to publish my book. And in fact, as I moved along through the process of writing the book, uh, I was writing a book. I, I wasn't looking down the road. And um, I realized that I needed to have an editor. And I was very successful in finding a miracle worker in the name of Joan Dixon, who was my editor. 
Yeah, we all love our editors, don't we? <laughs> oh yeah, and 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 she, uh, the the experience of of editing I thought was going to be very difficult, but it was, it was about two and a half months of work, but I really enjoyed it, and she taught me more about English and the English language than I had learned in my entire life. Um, when I first submitted my manuscript to Joan, she wanted to have a look at it to see if 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 you know, if it was a project she wanted to take on. In other words, to see if it was any good, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, she came back to me and said, you know, Terry, I, I, I would like to work with you on this, and I think you do have a story that should be told. To be honest, that was the first time when it dawned on me that possibly this was something that might get published. And then the publisher accepts it. I mean, that's a, every writer's dream is to have a publisher accept your book. Yeah, it was it was really it was really quite a, a feeling of accomplishment for me. I mean, I was over the moon about it. I remember submitting the proposal to publish uh, in December, early December of 2017, I guess it was, and it was in. And I was told there would be months before I would hear back because you know they get thousands of proposals, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was months. And I started to think, well, you know. Nice try, Tara. We've got to go down another avenue here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was about to leave New Zealand a year ago, about a year ago right now, and I got an email, and it was from Don Gorman, who is the publisher of Rocky Mountain Books, Mm -hmm. telling me that my book had been accepted. It was one of the happiest days of my life, I think, because I was absolutely bowled over because I don't think I ever really expected well, and, and three years of uh, researching and writing and editing, that's a long time. It's three years. And it, it almost, maybe without realizing, it becomes your baby. And it's like, oh, my gosh, look what I did. Look at me go, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So the one thing I, I, I want to mention is Terry uh, will be 77 years old. Uh, this year, 2019, which, f- first of all, you would not know that to know the man. But... Um, Terry, what's a takeaway for anyone who wants to write a book, not just someone who's 77, but anybody? And what's the takeaway to the listener if they're really, every time, I, I hear it all the time, you know, I would love to write a children's book. I would love to write a book. Boy, do I have a story to tell. And that's very true. Everyone has a story to tell. So what would your advice be to anyone who wanted to write a book? Well, it starts with passion. Um, for your project, I think. Um, But I would caution anybody who takes on a book is to make sure you know your subject matter because, and that can be done through research, it can be done through personal experience, uh, it can be done through an awful lot of reading everybody else's books Mm -hmm. uh, because I've always found that people, at least to my experience, I've always found that people who write also read a lot. Absolutely. So, uh, I, but I think it's it's key to know what you're what you're writing about. Um, it's hard for me to imagine writing a, a fictitious novel at this point because I've never tried that, and 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 I, I just think that that's a that would be a super accomplishment. But for instance, what I wrote it was a it's a it's a historical memoir uh, that includes three characters: myself, the town of Banff, and the train station. And and it was something that I knew well. 
And that made it much easier. Yeah, and history can be quite... I love reading historical books, uh, historical fiction, mostly. I, I love I love reading all about history, but some history books are like, ugh, so dry, which is not the case for you. It's it's really informative. It's fun to read. You place, you're placed right at that train station. Uh, may, for me, anyway, I mean, I ha, I, you know, I've spent enough time at that station that I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so the takeaway is, is to write it, but do your due diligence. I think so. And, and again, let's go back to what we talked about earlier. If you're going to do it, you've got to, di- you've got to discipline yourself to do it. Right, right. And you can do it because you just sat here two seconds ago and said, you know, I don't know if I could write a book on a fictional story. And it's like, you just wrote a beautiful book. Of course you could write. So that brings me to my next question. What, is there another project for you? I think there is. Um, I've, I've started work. I, I'm going to be doing a, a collaborative uh, piece this time, I believe, with a good friend of mine, Marsha Pilgrim, who lives in Sandpoint, Idaho, and... Marsha, among other things, was the president of Montana Rockies Rail Tours, uh, who I worked for back in the uh, early 2000s. Marsha is also um, a, a columnist uh, with a local newspaper. She writes a food and travel column, and she has done some other writing. And because of our shared railroad backgrounds, uh, we're talking about doing a piece about the, the ties between railroads and national parks in North America because I think what a lot of people don't know is that many of the national parks, especially in the western part of North America, they're there because the railroads push for them. So here's these big corporate entities that a lot of people like to hate. They're actually preserving uh, nature in, in these various pockets around North America. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to to follow up that piece in in another two or three years when this one's finished, but when your next one is finished. But it'll be interesting to know what it's like to collaborate with another writer. That dynamic, I haven't done that myself, so it would be really interesting to know what that dynamic is like. Yeah, and we're we're talking about it. You know, uh, Marsha and I worked together on a couple of other projects. Uh, so we both know each other very well and uh but yeah it's it's a it's a whole new approach to doing anything and it'll be interesting to see what road that takes us down well i think it's it's quite inspiring uh that you wanted to write a book and that you just you did you didn't just do it i I don't want to take away from all that work but you did it and uh when i don't know maybe most people in their early 70s are thinking about other things but you went ahead and did that and i think that's super inspiring to anybody who wants to write a book and i can't wait to have the copy in my hot little hands so you're listening to sharing stories with helen rose terry gainer author of the book when trains ruled the rockies terry thank you so much for joining me today Well, thanks for having me on your show, Helen. I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.